Hey, welcome. Thanks for joining me in the Perfect Faith Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Kirk Klingerman. This is episode two of season six, which is actually the 2022 season already. Uh, For you first-time visitors, thanks for checking us out and seeing what's going on. Um, And of course, for you that are returning, thanks for coming back and joining in with. I am so grateful for all of you. And for those of you who might want to know a little bit more about who we are, what this ministry is about, you can find that information on perfectfaith.org. And you'll also find some resources attached to that, many of which are free. There are some books on there for purchase, but that basically just covers the cost. But anyway, we're going to jump right into this uh, episode uh, without any more delay. So here's, here's a question. Do you know a guy or gal or that guy or that gal that always has to argue. It doesn't matter who it is, what the subject is, where they're at, they've got to argue. They've always got to be right. Know anyone like that? Okay, question number two then. Have you been that person that has to argue? Or maybe you've found in the past that you've wrestled with this thing and Maybe you're that person that's like, yeah, I've been not so much all my life, but lately it's been like that, and I don't like it. I don't want to have any part in being one of those people that are always arguing, always butting heads with others. Or, And, of course, sometimes we butt heads with some more than others, depending on the personality type. But what is going on with this? And, of course, the initial response might be simply pride. It's arrogance. But sometimes it's a little bit deeper than what it appears to be. In other words, for ex- uh, you know, like an arrogant person, for example, looks like they are self-assured. But the reality is they might be more insecure than what you might think. They might want you to think that they're self-assured. And so they come off with all this bravado, but underneath it, not so much. However, yeah, pride does have something to do with it. So let's look at... Proverbs 28, verse 25 and 26, which talks about this or talks in relation to this thing about striving or arguing. So in verse 25, it says, He that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife, but he that putteth his trust in the Lord shall be made fat. Or, as another version puts it, that was the King James, by the way, as the New American Standard Bible puts it, an arrogant man's stirs up strife, but he who trusts in the Lord will prosper. Then in verse 26, it says, He that trusts in his own heart is a fool, but who walks uprightly, he shall be delivered, or who walks wisely shall be delivered. Okay, so now we know that an arrogant person or someone that is of a proud heart is going to wind up being the one that tends to argue, right? And if you want to, and let's be straight up about this right away. If you want to end an argument, you have to humble yourself. In other words, if people don't want to argue, they both have to be able to humble themselves. And instead of being quick to get upset or quick to wrath and quick to speak, just be slow to speak and quick to listen, where we're actually listening to each other. And that's important which I'll get more into that in greater detail here in just a moment. But let's talk about this pride thing or this arrogance thing. What's going on with that? Well, for one thing, 
everyone wants to feel important. Everyone wants to be affirmed, right? Everyone is designed for expression. Everyone wants to be heard. And if they don't feel like they're being heard, they don't feel like they're being valued. See, sometimes pride or arrogance is the result of someone not feeling worthy or feeling like they have any worth or any value to other people. So it's almost like they demand value from other people, and hence they become prideful or arrogant, and they put this front up, they put up a front so that people will look at them in a certain way. You know, it really, it's kind of like the kid that wants attention. They're going to, a kid, a child is going to get attention one way or the other. Either his parents are going to give him love and affection without any strings attached, or he's going to demand it somehow, or she's going to demand it somehow. And sometimes that's misbehavior, you know, and so on, which these are things that most of us know already. This is not exactly brand new stuff, but it's recognizing what's underneath the surface. If a person doesn't feel valued, a person may demand to be valued. Then on the other hand, you have those that don't feel worthy. They have this hypothesis about themselves that states they are not worthy. So if someone doesn't put any weight on what they have to say, they just kind of fold up and disappear. They kind of they just become these introverts. They don't want to be around people because they don't feel like they have anything to offer them. And quite frankly, it's just less painful to be by themselves. But then on the other side of it, you've got those that's got to prove that, yes, I am of worth. Now, here's where it gets kind of dicey, okay? Jesus talks about those that wants the affirmation of man while ignoring or rejecting God's affirmation, right? I'm not phrasing that exactly, but the point is this. is just like Proverbs also says, the fear of man is a snare. So when man gets elevated into a place that they don't belong, we tend to gravitate to behavior that coincides with that. So in other words, we're not always going to going to necessarily interact with others in the way that we should if we had a proper connection with the Lord. And here's what I mean by that. If you, for example, are a true disciple of Jesus Christ, a Christian, if you are a true child of God and recognize that your identity is in Jesus Christ and that you are a well-loved child, then you come to understand that even God, your Father, will listen to you. In other words, you've got God's ear. Have you ever thought about that? If you belong to the Lord and you pray and he's listening, guess what? You have his ear. So if you have his affirmation, why would you need man's affirmation, right? When you understand that you are a well-loved child, you don't need someone to tell you that you're of worth. Like, for example, what I'm about to say right now will sound arrogant until I put it into context. So I am awesome. I am wonderful. And you just can't get any better than that, right? That sounds bad until I put it in context with, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And I'm wonderfully made because the one who made me is wonderful. So in other words, humility, if you will, recognizes its source. In other words, I can say I'm righteous because Jesus is my righteousness. 
I am holy because Jesus is my holiness. For example, Ephesians 4.24 says, put on the new man, which is created in righteousness and true holiness. So the new man is righteous, the new man is holy. And then, of course, we know in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that Jesus is our righteousness, as I already stated. So we can say that we are God's righteousness in him. So when I recognize that I have worth in the eyes of God or in the eyes of God the Father, in the eyes of our Lord Jesus Christ, in the eyes of Holy Spirit, I don't need necessarily to find the affirmation of man. I don't have to be concerned about what they think about me. Now, full disclosure, sometimes that's easier said than done, right? I can't say that I am perfect in that area where like, well, I just don't give a care about what other people think about me. You know, and by and large, when it gets down to it, I'm more concerned about what God has to say. I, I, I'm still working towards that direction where I'm not that concerned about it, other than I am concerned in this respect that I don't become a stumbling block to someone else as far as them finding Jesus and things along those lines, okay? But enough about that. The point is, is when you find pride and arrogancy, you're going to find probably underneath all of that a part where a person does feel disaffirmed or they feel unworthy. They feel like they don't have any worth, nothing to offer. But yet they want to be valued. They want to be heard because, again, we are designed for expression. Of course, part of that expression is glorifying God. Um, here's what's something kind of interesting. Now, look, it's, it's either this, either there's an affirmation issue going on or they're a downright fool. And here's what I mean by that. Because Proverbs 29 verse 11 says, a fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it till afterwards. Or as the New American Standard, uh, New American Standard Bible states it, a fool always loses his temper, but a wise man holds it back. So those that are constantly arguing, there's either something going on where they've got a deep hurt that needs healing or they're, or they're being foolish, or else it's a wound that causes foolishness, if you will, right? Okay, so let's take this a little bit farther. So let's say you're in that boat or in that camp where maybe you've been wrestling with butting heads with others more than normal. You know, I mean, we all have our moments. All right, maybe you don't, but I know from time to time I've had those times where I've, I've felt a side of me where I've felt somewhat argumentative until I pull back the curtain and take a look and see what's going on in my heart or what's going, in my, going on with my thinking. Because the reality is we constantly need to renew our mind so our minds line up with God's way of thinking. Of course, that's done through the Word of God and communing with Him and so on. But if there's something going on internally with us where maybe there's a hurt that we're dealing with or a frustration or maybe even some sort of lust, because like, for example, in James chapter 4, verse 1, it says, From whence comes wars and fightings amongst you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain, you fight and war, yet you have not because you ask not. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your lusts. So, of course, obviously, that's pointing into 
the area of the flesh where we are wrestling, fighting against the flesh. It's just like the things of this world we're told in First John are the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. These are all elements of the world, and those that have, these things are all contrary to the nature of God's. So at any rate, when we find ourselves in that state where we're easily frustrated, we have a more of a desire to push back on anything someone else might say, even if it's right, it might be time to just step back and say, hey, what is going on with me? Lord, I need your wisdom. I need your understanding. Is there something that needs healing? Is there something inside of me where I feel orphaned? You know, meaning like I am an orphan. I'm fatherless. I, I don't have God the Father really encapsulating my heart. Or is it a, a place where maybe I have some ungodly desire for something that should not be there? Or is there something that I'm chasing after that really is going to be not so much a true desire of the heart, but it's just a desire of the flesh? And that, again, is where we ask the Lord for wisdom. You know, and then, of course, the other side of it, too, it's, it can be easy to get sucked in to those arguments where someone starts to, to uh, become argumentative with you it might be that you start to sense what they're feeling and their what they're feeling starts to come on you or they start to project what they feel on you. You know, and sometimes the Lord can give you that discernment too, by the way. This is what they're going through. That doesn't necessarily mean it has to be you. But let's face it, it if we're not on guard, it is easy to get sucked into an argument or or it can be. It just depends on, you know, where we are in the moment. If we're walking in the Spirit, obviously... It's much easier to stay out of it and walk in love. Now, heading off the argument, how do we, how do we deal with these things? Again, like, like we said before, an argument is really uh, reveals a lack of humility going on. So in order for an argument to be headed off, humility must be employed or deployed. And if you got two people that don't want to argue, but yet they feel like they're just button heads, that's the time where each person has to humble themselves or, and be willing to listen to what the other person has to say. I mean, legitimately listen. Because let's face it, there are those moments when we feel like in our heart we've got the right answer. And that other individual might feel the same way about the way they view things. So sometimes we need to just stop and listen to what they have to say. Because again, sometimes we just want to be heard. And then if what they have to say is truly correct, then we need to be correctable ourselves. If we, for example, are not viewing things properly, and the Lord might actually be using someone to bring correction. If we're not humble enough to receive correction, we're going to push against that. We become obstinate in our attitude, right? Or vice versa. Maybe you do have a correct view, but it only becomes right when you walk in love, right? You can have a correct view and be totally wrong depending on the way you handle it. If you go into argument or in debate, you've gone off into the wrong direction. However, if you can humble yourself and listen, and then like even if you find that whatever the other person's saying is incorrect, then maybe start asking questions. What I mean by that, it's easy to say, hey, you're wrong. You know, if I sit there and I point my finger in your face and say, you're wrong, buddy, you know, that's not humility. That's not going to do anything for you to receive anything I have to say. However, if I start asking questions like, 
That's the way you view this. Well, how so? I mean, what makes you say that? How do you come to this conclusion? You know, what are these things that make you think or believe that's that way? And then, then you might counter, you might, have you considered this? Or what do you do with that? What I mean is you get into a genuine dialogue where they can start to see things for themselves or they, or you can start seeing things for yourself. As long as both parties are willing to listen to the other side, you can make great headway and maybe come to the proper conclusion. Of course, the obvious thing to do as well, or maybe not so obvious, is to get together and just pray and ask the Lord to help sort things out. Lord, we need wisdom. Help us to see properly. In fact, you both could be wrong, or we both could be wrong, and it's the Lord that has a point of view that he wants to get across, and we're both missing it, right? So that's why it would be important to ask for that wisdom that we lack, that understanding and the knowledge that we need to have to be able to resolve whatever issue that's before us. You know, again, in verse 26 of Proverbs 28, it says, again, he that trusts in his own heart is a fool. You know, there's another scripture in uh, Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6, where it talks about not leaning on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledging God and he will order our steps. Or I'm not quoting that exactly right, but the point is there does come a place where we've got to lean on his understanding. It's just like, Look, I don't know everything for sure. I mean, if you talk with me for any length of time, you'd discover that quite quickly, right? However, I do know the one that knows everything. And because I have his ear and I have that confidence because he says so, not because I say so, I can ask for that wisdom. In fact, we are implored to do that in James 1. If any of you lack wisdom, ask. And it says he'll give it abundantly to us without without uh, reproach, right? So we ask the one that has the infinite wisdom and he can reveal to us the correct view of whatever it is we might be arguing over. You know, maybe we can actually humble ourselves, turn it into a conversation and hammer things out. But this is too where we can have compassion for those, that guy or that gal that's always arguing. That says, that has insecurity written all over it. That says there's something that's been wounded that needs to be addressed and healed. And yes, there is that pride of life, too, where someone just flat just wants to be renowned. But even being renowned doesn't mean you're going to be in a place of peace either. And we know that even from our celebrities and those that are well-known. You know, you might be famous, but it doesn't mean you're happy, right? And I'm not saying none of them are happy, and I don't mean any disrespect or any negative connotations, but the point is is you have to come into a place of identity with Jesus. In other words, in Jesus Christ, you realize that you're a well-loved child. When you understand, for example, that God loves you unconditionally, you don't have to jump through the hoops to get his love and affection. You've already got it. I mean, that's why Jesus came and died on the cross. And because Jesus is worthy, you are worthy, Right? And he is worthy for you to receive affirmation of the Father where you don't require affirmation from others. As a matter of fact, the more you are grounded in him, the less needy you become. The most needy people are the ones that 
don't love themselves, don't have any self-worth, and that's another subject in of itself. But the point is, if you can begin to see yourself the way God sees you, ask him to show you what that looks like, and then begin to love yourself the way he loves you, you're probably going to find that arguments are going to be fewer and fewer as you get along in life, right? That doesn't mean other people won't argue. The point is, it's just going to be easier for you to navigate through life without having to butt heads with everybody or that certain few, however you want to frame that, right? But anyway, I hope this is something that might bring some clarity in regards to the ones that love to argue, you know. So just have compassion for them. You know, ask the Lord to show you what you need to see concerning them and just love them where they're at. doesn't mean you have to debate with them or even have conversation. You know, nothing says that you have to necessarily... You know, are you that or you just sit and listen to their point of view and just go on about your day, you know? Nothing says you have to, you know, argue the point with them. Just let them let them express themselves and just move along, you know, acknowledge it. You know, that might help them, you know. But at any rate, we're going to wrap it up at this point. And uh, again, thank you for joining me. And I do pray that the Lord bless you abundantly above all you could think or ask. And let his peace rule in your heart, really. Let his peace rule in your heart. So until that time, be blessed, my friend.